So having introduced the idea and something like the horizon or even methodology of existentialism, and then uh, sort of offering a preliminary reading and, and vocabulary build around W.E.B. Du Bois' uh, opening chapter to Souls of Black Folk, I want to turn to the first uh, explicitly existential text in the course, which is Jean-Paul Sartre's 1946 book, Anti-Semite and Jew. I think that this book is interesting all by itself, but we read it in this particular course on black existentialism because of its importance for how Franz Fanon both writes and rewrites uh, anti-Semite and Jew in his 1952 book, Black Skin, White Masks. So in a certain sense, what I want out of anti-Semite and Jew is an understanding of Sartre's conception of race and racism how it's configured for him in an existential context, and also do something like a preparatory uh, uh, exercise to get us ready to read Black Skin, White Masks, and in that reading, understand the very specific kind of race and racism that Fanon is taking on when he raises the question of blackness. It's important for me to see the distinctiveness of the question of blackness and racism because that's the name of the course, but also because it functions in Sartre's later work, including uh, Black Orpheus just a couple years after uh, Anti-Semite and Jew, and also his famous preface to The Wretched of the Earth. So I think Sartre's own political thinking around questions of race uh, shifts after Anti-Semite and Jew, uh, just because he's exploring new horizons. But this isn't really a course on Sartre, and I'm not a Sartre uh, expert or scholar or somebody particularly committed to his thought. But it's an incredibly important book, and it's a book that when I look back at the development of the history of European ideas in the 20th century, it's a book I think should have been a pivot point for philosophy. I say it should have been a pivot point, and in some ways it is, because it raised the question of, of racism, its construction, and its, and its danger uh, right after World War II. It's a 1946 text. So he's working immediately in the wake of the Holocaust and this you know, reckoning, such as it was, in Europe around the relationship between anti-Semitism and uh, genocidal violence, or what I think uh, later we can call uh, eliminationist uh, thinking around race and racism. So it should have been a pivot point in that I think Sartre asks us to understand the dynamics of the formation of subjectivity, who and what we are, and also the role of that formation in um, social and cultural um, orientations that are at bottom fundamentally, in this case, uh, anti-Semitic, or we could say more broadly racist. I think that the book opens itself quite clearly and easily onto the question of colonialism and race. Even Sartre in the, you know, a dozen or so pages in makes reference to Central Africa, right? And it's a rhetorical move in that moment. Um, actually, it's further into the book when he's talking about the Democrat, I think. Um, 
when he talks about the uh, alludes to the Central African uh, Central Africa, I think he's really thinking there about how expansive his interrogation of the question of racism is, right? And that what I would have hoped, right? What I would hope looking back at this book and its timeliness in terms of, of European history, right? Trying to make sense of anti-Semitism, not in any remove from its worst violence, right? The genocide of, of European Jews in World War II. I would, I would hope that that would have spawned a series of discourses uh, and reflections by dominant figures around these very same questions. Unfortunately, it really doesn't with uh, the, the mainstream of European philosophy, whether that's German or French philosophy. At the, on the other hand, I, as I said, it, it, in some ways it is a pivot point. And it, for me, it's a pivot point precisely for that reason, that one cannot say after anti-Semite and Jew that French philosophy for sure, but European philosophy more broadly, was somehow not asking or not thinking about the question of race and racism. The truth is, race and racism was put at the forefront of philosophy by Jean-Paul Sartre, who was such an important thinker in the mid to late 1940s. Right, He puts it front and center. And so when French and German philosophy fails to take up this question after him. For me, that's one of these moments where we can say that European philosophy practices a, a massive evasion of race and racism in its own reckoning with its moment. Because there's plenty of reflection, right, in French and German philosophy on the war and its aftermath. Very few on questions of race and racism. I think even Dialectic of Enlightenment, which is about anti-Semitism in so many ways, folds those questions into broader questions of modernity, technology, industrialization, and so forth. But anti-Semite and Jew stands out for me. So that, for me, places the book. It places the book in such uh, important and stark terms because of the question it asks. Right? What is the structure and meaning of anti-Semitic hate? Not what are its consequences, we already know that, but what is the structure of it? And the way Sartre identifies both the structure of it when he talks about uh, the anti-Semite, the sort of um, existential uh, uh, construction of the anti-Semitic self or consciousness or subjectivity, right? anti-Semitic subjectivity, the construction of it, um, it's an incredibly uh, illuminating structure. And then it's followed by, in the first half of the book, which is what I'm talking about uh, in this, followed by what is for him the, uh, what he calls the Democrat or the liberal, right? This liberal humanist response to anti-Semitism and hate, which as, as I'll say in a bit, ends up just repeating the very same sin. The sin being, the desire for the elimination of the category, if not the person, of uh, the Jew. So for me, that famous phrase that comes from the opening pages of Anti-Semite and Jew, that if the Jew did not exist, the Anti-Semite would have to construct him, really encapsulates the, the entirety of the book. That is, that the Jew is not a person. The Jew is not a belief structure. 
the Jew is not an ethnicity. The Jew, that, that phrase, the Jew, is for Sartre, a, a, not a figment of the anti-Semitic imagination, but a construction of the anti-Semitic anti subject that then frames through the structure of the gaze, right, or the regard, structures the anti-Semites encounter with people in the world who are Jewish. And this is a really important distinction because it, it, it separates out the, the levels of analysis that Sartre in some ways is not really interested in, not in some ways, not at all interested in how Jewish culture works or the commitment of Jewish people to, you know, to, uh, to ritual practices um, and related uh, elements of their own communal as well as individual constructions and inventions of self. I think for him that falls under just the general existential question of how subjectivity makes itself, that, that structure of self-invention. And that structure of self-invention has nothing to, on the part of Jews, has nothing to do with the anti-Semite. Right, what the anti-Semite is up to, right, is this invented idea of the Jew that becomes so voracious that it can include anyone who is Jewish. So what I mean by that construction of the idea of the Jew is, you know, again, that phrase that if the, anti, if the Jew did not exist, the anti-Semite would have to, to would invent him is because the idea of the Jew is itself always invented. But it's invented as this incredibly fecund um, image that, because it's fecund, it produces more and more layers of anti-Semitic subjectivity. And anti-Semitic subjectivity is partly, for me, as I understand the book, uh, uh, part of it turns on this idea, a very familiar idea in some ways, uh, post-World War II at least, that every uh, society is constructed around its relation to its other. And that other, when it is abject, allows a given society, right, who is not that other, to elevate itself, to venerate itself by saying we are not that. So that's really important because the internal structure of Europe for centuries and centuries and centuries turned on this idea that what Europeanness is, is Christianity and the sort of Christian culture and Christian tradition. And the way you really establish that is by indicating, um, by indicating uh, who that other is as non-Christian. And therefore you, you validate yourself. You know, in class, I use this, this example of, you know, everybody talks about Europe as the continent. But there's this question of, you know, not this question, this, this geography lesson that it's not actually a continent. So what is Europe, right? Where do we draw that boundary? And where we draw that boundary is along ethno-religious lines, Right? At, a, at a certain point, there's the question of, is this or is this not Europe? Because you start to have mixed religious spaces of Muslim and Christian. Right? And even that notion of Christian is part of what divides, say, Russia from Europe. Right? That is, it's not Protestant or Catholic Christianity. It's, it's Eastern Orthodox. And that movement away from uh, of the Catholic Protestant identity of Europe 
right, marks that boundary or that it's always fuzzy, but it marks that boundary between Europe and its and its exterior, right? So that you can call it a continent. But this idea of a continent is itself an ethno-religious, right, an ethnic and religious boundary. But inside Europe, it has its other. It had has had for uh, centuries, has had the European Jew. And so part of anti-Semitic subjectivity, I think, in Sartre really embodies that, right? Or just practice this, practices the sedimentation of exactly that structure of self-definition on the part of Europe and therefore one's own Europeanness as a, as a white Christian. Um, this is it's sedimented and embedded in, in the habits of the anti-Semite. And the anti-Semite is in this really interesting position, and this is something that that we will talk we will talk about in detail when we get to black skin white masks, which is that the Jew in the anti-Semitic uh, image is simultaneously abject and powerful. Now, those aren't necessarily uh, antonyms, right? Abject and powerful, except insofar as abjection often does get associated with weakness or incapacity. But it's the supercapacity of the Jew in the anti-Semitic image, anti-Semite's image, that creates the Jew's power, right? Power over the anti-Semite and the threat to the anti-Semite. So it's not simply there is abjection, and there is the anti-Semitic uh, subject, but rather that the abje abject Jew is also a threat because of his power. Fanon makes a big deal out of this, and I think in some ways is part of the architecture of black skin, white masks, because he will say this inversion is true for black people. Rather than being abject and too powerful, it's abject and weak. And that difference really makes a difference. And so, so, so playing that out across the the course, uh, the early part of the course is, for me, a really uh, important shift in ideas, especially because I think there are elements of anti-black racism, again, that we will get into talking about Richard Wright in particular, where it's actually kind of a mixture of the two, right? It's both the abject weakness and the abject strength that underpins anti-black racism. But back to the anti-Semite, that the anti-Semite needs this notion of the Jew in order to be what and who he is. And so when the anti-Semite imagines self, it's not Jewish and in some ways defined by the threat, uh, by the response to the threat of Jewishness, right? It's that both that activity and passivity, the passivity of I'm not the Jew, but also the activity of repelling the Jew and persecuting the Jew in order to repeat this sense of invention of self against the image of the Jew. Another thing that I think is really important about the first half of the book, when he's talking about the anti-Semite, is the way he, he, he says, and it's a really interesting way of putting it, he says, you know, anti-Semitism is something that's like a molecule that does not affect the whole. So you can have an anti-Semite who is also a kind person, a good businessman, a father, a husband, you know, it's always a he in, in the book. So you can have all these other virtues and anti-Semitism can exist alongside it. 
for me, this is important because it's something that we say all the time about uh, racists, right? That the, the racist is not always this caricature, or even very often this character of a of a sort of cartoonish Tasmanian devil, of, you know, just whirling in hate and destroying everything around it. But rather that the racist is often like a good person and a nice person and church going and you know, whatever list of virtues you want. And so he says it's like a molecule that can enter like the body and not alter the body's composition. Yet it becomes for Sartre, and I, I think he's right, it becomes actually the defining feature of that person. And that's the difficult part of how those things can coexist and not be altered alongside anti-Semitism or again, uh, alongside racism, but still racism becomes such a critical part of who and what a subject is. In that sense, I think that Sartre is trying to make sense of, you know, why would Europe, I mean, led by Germany, but with the complicity of of non-Jewish Europeans across the, quote, continent. Uh, why would Europeans, uh, non-Jewish Europeans, participate with such vigor and ease in the genocidal violence against Jews, right? Because on the one hand, you know, one can understand why a person would die for and kill for, fam for a family, for um, a sense of nation, a sense of defending some place. But also people were willing to kill and die for anti-Semitism, for the elimination of European Jews. And they did. And so why is that? It's because it's a molecule that enters the system, does not change the system, yet is a molecule that helps hold the body as a whole together. Right? It's an essential pillar of the construction of non-Jewish European subjectivity. I just think it's that broad. Non-Jewish European subjectivity is structured by anti-Semitism at some fundamental level. The problem is for Sartre, and this gets back to his general existential um, twin of freedom and responsibility, right? That we are absolutely free and therefore absolutely responsible. He also wants to make sure because he's reading this in an existentialist register, he wants to make sure that we have this, this structure that can account for the responsibility of the anti-Semite for his anti-Semitism. Because the anti-Semite might very well want to say one of two things, right? Either um, that's part of my history and culture and I'm just a part of it, right? A sort of passivity. He rejects that, right? One chooses and makes oneself. But also, right, the invention of the Jew, the fact that the Jew is a, is a phantasm or, or a fantasy of, of the anti-Semite. Because the Jew, if the anti-Semite wants to believe that the Jew provokes anti-Semitism, that it's something about Jewish people, about their persona, about their embodiment, about their movement, about their values, about their politics, you know, something about the Jew that makes you anti-Semitic, right? That's the anti-Semite's position. But when Sartre, again, the notion of freedom and responsibility, when you pair that with the idea that the Jew is an invented category, right, essentially, he doesn't use the vocabulary of category, but it's an invented category, right, that means that there is no such thing as the Jew who provokes anti-Semitism because anti-Semitism 
the Jew of, of the anti of anti-Semitic subjectivity is an invention, right? And as an invention, it's something that one is responsible for. One is both responsible for the creation of the Jew and the creation of anti-Semitic subjectivity that's one's own when one is anti-Semitic. So the anti-Semite is both responsible for the creation of the idea of the Jew and the creation of themselves as a racist. Now, what I love about this first part of the book, but also find so, so uh, intractably uh, terrifying and difficult, is when Sartre turns to this figure of the Democrat. So what he does with this notion of the Democrat, which I would call, I think, in a more contemporary vocabulary, just simply a liberal humanist, right? The Democrat is someone who, as, as he himself says, uh, embodies the values of the revolution, of, of fraternity, um, equality, and liberty. And if the Democrat embodies those revolution, French revolutionary uh, principles, Right? The Democrat is the one who speaks against anti-Semitism and its eliminationist value system. Right, Because, of course, that's what the anti-Semite wants, is for there to be no Jews. And they essentially got what they want in the Holocaust. But the Democrat, right, or the liberal humanist, is akin, and this is, this is how I put it, it's akin to the colorblind person in the United States who says, I don't see color, I only see people as human beings. Now, a common thing that someone might say to that, uh, in addition to the, I don't trust you, I'll bet you do, or that's not what race is, or that's not what racism is. Another thing that someone might say is like, look, you say you don't see color, you only see humans, but I'm a black person, or I'm a Latino, right? Or I'm Asian American. Right? I am something that you're saying you don't see, so you're not seeing me for who I am. And there is in that response, for me, the core of what Sartre identifies as so dangerous about the Democrat or the liberal humanist. That the liberal humanist imagines himself to be liberating Jews, in the case of, of this book, considers himself to be in, in, in support of the liberation of Jews from anti-Semitism by saying the, the idea of the Jew is a fictional category. We are all just humans. We are all, you know, free, equal, and brothers under the French vision of, of society, right, of a better society. But in saying that, in saying that there is no such thing as the Jew, and I see you only as, uh, you know, we ought to move to only seeing people as human beings and not as these ethnic categories or racial categories. The Democrat ends up being exactly the same as the eliminationist genocidal anti-Semite. Because what the Democrat believes is that Jews should not exist. And that to the extent that the Jew exists and asserts himself as a Jew the Jew goes against the principles of the Democrat and therefore must be eliminated, right? It's outside the system of proper political values, the political values oriented around uh, what we will call a colorblind or ethnically blind um, vision of the human person and of human community. But that's not liberation. That's just a reiteration of the genocidal impulse that says to the extent that the Jew asserts himself as a Jew, 
he is contrary to the revolutionary principles of liberty, fraternity, and equality. And that contrariness means that the Jew cannot live under these conditions, cannot be a part of society, right? Whether that means ghettoization, which has been, um, you know, the history of Europe for centuries, whether that means pogroms of, of, of you know, terror and murder, or whether that means conversion to get the Jew to stop thinking of himself as a Jew, or outright elimination, driving away out of Europe or killing, right? All of those, that's the horizon of responses to this idea that the Jew is, is uh, contrary, asserting himself as a Jew is, is contrary to Democrat or liberal uh, humanist principles of a humanity uh, above and beyond these ethnic distinctions. And that's where Sartre can be really disconcerting in this first half of the book, where these strategies with like liberal humanism or the Democrat seem to be very different than say the outright hate of the anti-Semite. They kind of come back to the same impulse that the Jew as a Jew is a problem. The Jew as a Jew is something to be eliminated. The Jew as a Jew is something that cannot exist in the world, both as we know it and as we want it to be. Sure, the, the anti-Semite is explicit and says we only want a Christian nation, say, right? And the elimination of Jews is essential to that. But the liberal humanist or the Democrat says what we want is a world of humans, not ethnic groups. And when the Jew asserts himself as I am Jewish, that Jew cannot live among us. And so the liberatory strategies and, and value system of the Democrat ends up being as anti-Semitic, as eliminationist, and as genocidal as the value system of the explicit and cruel and murderous anti-Semite.